chapters nineteen and twenty of biography of an american bondman by his daughter by josephine brown this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nineteen take the spade of perseverance dig the field of progress wide every bar to true instruction carry out and cast aside it was the intention of mr brown when he went to england not to remain there more than one year at the furthest but he was by the laws of the united states the property of another and the passage of the fugitive slave bill laid him liable to be arrested whenever he should return to his native land wendell phillips esq advised the fugitive for his own safety not to return mr brown therefore resolved to remove his two daughters to england so that he could see to their education in july eighteen fifty one the girls arrived in liverpool in the royal british mail steamer america under the charge of the rev charles spear the distinguished and philanthropic friend of the prisoner even here the fugitive was not without persecution in the person of his children for mr lewis the company's agent in boston would not receive them unless they were entered on the passengers list as servants the only reason assigned for this was their being coloured thus the vile institution which had driven mr brown into exile followed his children on board a steamer over which the british flag waved soon after the arrival of his daughters mr brown placed them in one of the best seminaries in france where they encountered no difficulty on account of their complexion the entire absence of prejudice against colour in europe is one of the clearest proofs that the hatred here to the coloured person is solely owing to the overpowering influence of slavery mr brown's daughters after remaining in france one year were removed to the home and colonial school in london the finest female educational college in great britain here as well as in the french school the girls saw nothing to indicate that the slightest feeling of ill-will existed on the part of the students towards them because of their colour End of chapter nineteen chapter twenty methinks i hear a tuneful voice chiming afar o'er land and sea the sun of freedom wakes rejoice thy bonds are broken thou art free in the winter of eighteen fifty william and ellen craft two fugitive slaves arrived in england and being in a strange land and without the means of support applied to mr brown who was just on the eve of making an anti-slavery tour through scotland mr brown at once wrote to the crafts to join him these two interesting fugitives were born and brought up in macon georgia to make their slaves more valuable owners sometimes have them taught trades a man who understands a good trade will sell for three or four hundred dollars more in the market william craft having learned the trade of a cabinet-maker was able to earn considerable money for himself during hours when he was not required to work for his owner and slaveholders always encourage their servants to labour and get their own clothes and other necessaries of life because all that the slave gains in this way is so much saved by the master william craft did more than to get clothes for himself in the course of five years he laid aside one hundred and fifty dollars william became acquainted with ellen 
a slave-girl owned by dr collins and residing in the same town like many of the slaves at the south ellen was as white as most persons of the clear anglo-saxon origin her features were prominent hair straight eyes of a light hazel colour and no one on first seeing the white slave would suppose that a drop of african blood coursed through her veins with the permission of their owners william and ellen were united in marriage after the fashion of the slaves but both of these persons had long been lamenting their sad condition and were only waiting for an opportunity of escaping from the house of bondage it is usual among what are called good slaveholders to give their servants the christmas week as a time of rest and pleasure such was the custom of the owners of william and ellen as the christmas of eighteen forty eight approached the crafts instead of studying how they should best spend their time in pleasure began maturing a plan of escape i don't think this is a good half-dollar said william as he finished counting his money late one night still continued he i shall have no trouble in passing it if some persons had your money they would have a jolly time this christmas remarked ellen i wish we could get our freedom with it replied the husband now william said the wife listen to me and take my advice and we shall be free in less than a month let me hear your plans then said william take part of your money and purchase me a good suit of gentleman's apparel and when the white people give us our holiday let us go off to the north instead of spending our time in pleasure i am white enough to go as the master and you can pass as my servant but you are not tall enough for a man said the husband give me a pair of very high-heeled boots and they will bring me up more than an inch and get me a very high hat then i'll do rejoined the wife but then my dear you would make a very boyish-looking man with no whiskers or moustache remarked william i could bind up my face in a handkerchief said ellen as if i was suffering dreadfully from the toothache and then no one would discover the want of beard what if you were called upon to write your name in the books at hotels as i saw my master do when travelling or were asked to receipt for anything i would also bind up my right hand and put it in a sling and that would be an excuse itself for not writing i fear you could not carry out the deception for so long a time for it must be several hundred miles to the free state said william as he seemed to despair of escaping from slavery by following his wife's plan come william entreated his wife don't be a coward get me the clothes and i promise you we shall both be free in a few days you have money enough to fit me out and to pay our passage to the north and then we shall be free and happy this appeal was too much for william to withstand and he resolved to make the attempt whatever might be the consequences permission having been obtained from their master william and ellen went to spend their christmas on dr collins's farm twelve miles from macon it was understood that the slaves were to start on their journey on the twenty fourth of december eighteen forty eight and to return to their employer on the day after christmas at the appointed time instead of going to the farm the husband and wife went to the railway depot and took the six o'clock train for philadelphia dressed in her new suit with her hat of the latest fashion and high-heeled boots with a pair of spectacles she had rather a collegiate appearance under the assumed name of william johnson she took her seat in a first-class car while william with his servant's ticket entered the jim crow car 
at savannah the fugitives took a steamboat for charleston and from thence by railway and steamboat they arrived at philadelphia in four days many thrilling incidents occurred during their journey at charleston mr johnson stopped at the best hotel and was not a little surprised to find himself seated near the hon john c calhoun at the dinner-table both at richmond and washington the fugitives came very near being detected but the most amusing incident that happened during this novel journey was mr johnson's making the acquaintance of a white family who were also coming north on the second day of the journey a well-dressed old gentleman accompanied by his two daughters both unmarried but marriageable entered the car in which mr johnson was and took seats a short distance from him the old gentleman being rather communicative soon entered into conversation with the young man in spectacles you appear to be an invalid said the grey-haired gentleman as he looked earnestly into the face of mr johnson yes replied the other i have long been afflicted with inflammatory rheumatism ah i know what that is and can heartily sympathize with you returned the old man from the time of this conversation both father and daughters appeared to take great interest in the young invalid at every depot where they took refreshment william acted his part as servant admirably he waited on the old gentleman and his daughters as well as on his own master and by his politeness and attention attracted the notice of all that is a valuable servant of yours said the old gentleman to mr johnson as william passed through the cabin of the steamer while on the way from savannah to charleston yes sir he is a boy that i am very much attached to returned the young man good negroes are valuable appendages said the old man yawningly as he pulled his gold watch from his pocket to see the time as the train approached richmond the old gentleman expressed great regret that they were to lose the company of their new acquaintance i am also sorry that we are to part remarked mr johnson it was then discovered that miss henrietta the oldest of the young ladies seemed to have more interest in the young man than one would entertain for a mere acquaintance we are very much fatigued with this long journey said the old gentleman and i am sure you must be tired why won't you stop with us and rest yourself for a few days my wife knowing that you have been our travelling companion will be glad to welcome you and my daughter henrietta here will be delighted miss henrietta feeling that this gave her an opportunity to speak said do mr johnson stop and regain your strength we have some pretty walks about richmond and i shall be so pleased to show them to you the young invalid found that this was carrying the joke too far and began to regret his intimate acquaintance with the young lady however he gave as an excuse for declining the invitation that urgent business demanded his immediate presence in philadelphia and promised them he would pay them a visit on his return to georgia william and ellen craft on their arrival in philadelphia committed themselves to the care of mr brown who was on a lecturing tour through pennsylvania and he brought them on to boston the fugitive slave law drove them to england where they again joined their old friend through mr brown's influence an interest was created for william and ellen in england and they were placed in a school where they remained two years in his sketches of places and people abroad mr brown describes an interview between ellen craft and lady byron as follows 
some months since a lady apparently not more than fifty years of age entered a small dwelling on the estate of the earl of lovelace situated in the county of surrey after ascending a flight of stairs and passing through a narrow passage she found herself in a small but neat room with plain furniture on the table lay copies of the liberator near the window sat a young woman busily engaged in sewing with a spelling-book lying open on her lap the light step of the stranger had not broken the silence so as to announce the approach of any one and the young woman still sat at her task unconscious that any one was near a moment or two and the lady was observed the student hastily arose and apologized for her apparent inattention the stranger was soon seated and in conversation with the young woman the lady had often heard the word slave and knew something of its application but had never before seen one of her own sex who had actually been born and brought up in a state of chattel slavery and the one in whose company she was now was so white and had so much the appearance of a well-bred and educated lady that she could scarcely realize that she was in the presence of an american slave for more than an hour the illustrious lady and the poor exile sat and carried on a most familiar conversation the thrilling story of the fugitive slave often brought tears to the eyes of the stranger oh how i would that every half-bred aristocratic slave-holding woman-whipping negro-hating woman of america could have been present and heard what passed between these two distinguished persons they would for once have seen one who though moving in the most elevated and aristocratic society of europe felt it an honour to enter the small cottage and take a seat by the side of a poor hunted and exiled american fugitive slave End of chapter twenty